Mr. Speaker. It's Friday, it's half past eight. That means it's time for politics here on Radio 191 FM's Breakfast, brought to you by the Otago Museum. This morning, joined by uh, Dr. Phil Ferguson and John Moore. Sarah Martin is unfortunately unable to make it this morning. Morena to you both. Morena and Nihao. Yes, that's right. And Nihao, because it is, of course, uh, Chinese Language Week Indeed. in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Uh, right, Jacinda Ardern is not in the nation. She is overseas in New York City. Mm. Uh, she's been uh, quite busy while over there. Um, what has she been up to, John? Yeah, so this is her first official trip as Prime Minister to New York and to America. Um, she's She's engaged with the American media, um, been watched by millions of people. Mm. Uh, she's spoken now twice at the UN, first um, with a Nelson Mandela Peace Summit, uh, where she talked about um, New Zealand's role in uh, opposing apartheid way back in the 80s. Did she mention the Cavalier tour of 1996? No, she didn't. <laughs> she, did, she did mention her father, though, who was a cop, who was actually uh, yes, working and uh, helping to manage the protests at the time. Oh. <laughs> um, she's just spoken to the UN this morning, where she's presented herself very much as the anti-Trump, whereas Trump uh, um, hailed himself as a protectionist, uh, as a nationalist, as someone opposed to the globalisation agenda, they have free trade uh, Jacinda Ardern did quite the opposite, promoting herself as a um, as a strong supporter of the UN, despite what she said are its many faults, and also as a as a supporter of openness and by inference uh, a supporter of globalisation in, in, eco- in economic terms so this this uh, Jacinda's trip has very much been one of stardust in terms of the fame she's uh, um, cultivated around here and, and the, obviously the, the high interest by the American media and the fact that uh, we have a woman leader uh, who has a child uh, and had a child while being leader um, and also there has been substance uh, to to this trip uh, especially in terms of herself subtly and carefully but decisively presenting herself as opposed to Trump mm, Okay, I mean you said she cultivated, did she cultivate it or did the American the American Media That's a good point. I, th- I think it's a bit of both. Uh, it, um, I think uh, Jacinda realises that she's historically unique uh, and that her, ta- for example, taking her child to the UN with her partner, male partner, a married partner, is historically unique and is worthy of highlight. Mm, yes, which has been highlighted um, by the media quite, quite a lot. Um, uh, but you know, there and there goes the issue in itself. Like, I mean, it shouldn't even be a thing. Uh, you know, it's just a world leader going over to talk to the UN. Just so happens to have a baby. Mm. I mean, I, uh, which which everybody's loving, and, and maybe she is um, using that to her advantage. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know who organised her interviews, whether they were asked of her or. If, her, if Mike, her press secretary, um, asked for them, I don't know. Mm. Certainly she's been a, a accused, though, of going for the soft media and, and avoiding the hard media, so that, you know, the, the breakfast morning shows, etc. And um, 
the New Zealand media is certainly uh, becoming more critical that she is avoiding hard interviews uh, and, and that she turned down um, a number of scheduled interviews in New Zealand and also uh, there's some uh, disquiet that she's been avoiding the New Zealand media while she's been in New York but of course she's uh, there as an international figure so I think there's uh, justification for her being um, more available for the international mm. media at this time. Yeah, I mean she's yeah she was on the what the t- uh, the Lake Show uh, with Stephen Colbert, uh, but she was also interviewed by a, quite a hard hitting journalist on CNN. I think it was CNN, um, uh, and I, f- I, I fail to remember her name. But that journalist did take, you know, ask questions about Neve and did ask quite soft questions. Um, but that's the fault of the interviewer, not the fault of Jacinda Ardern. That would have been, that could have possibly been a hard interview. Um, we must remember when John Key was there, and he was interviewed by uh, on. Uh, now I'm forgetting his name too. Uh, but that was quite a hard interview, where he was asked about 100% clean green New Zealand, and he couldn't answer the questions. <laughs> but I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I disagree with John. Well, th- there's obviously a certain human interest side to. Um, you know the media's um, interaction with her, and so I remember when John Key was on um, the Late Show, um, oh, or was on Letterman, and he got to read out the top the ten, top ten um, <laughs> which was kind of cringy, and and that that was the best that that you know he could get on a show like that. Whereas she's actually interviewed. Yeah, and he which, asked for that too. Oh, like, dear, oh dear. They, they, yeah, put, yeah. they pushed to be on the show, show. Yeah, and that's what he got. And that's what he got. Yeah, which kind of indicates how seriously they they took him. Um, and I guess you know, rich white male was a bit less interesting <laughs> than you know unmarried mothers. Um, who become Prime Minister and are there on the world stage. So I, I think there's a certain you know, human interest aspect in her um, and I'm sure that's quite pleasing to her because it does mean that she can talk about more fluffy things mm. without having to face you know, serious hard questioning about globalisation or about New Zealand's role in the world or New Zealand's role in particular conflicts and so on. Yeah, or her attitude to to Trump and she must be quite a relief for the American media. I mean, he's saddled with with Donald Trump and along comes this, you know, much more personable uh, you know, attractive, media friendly, sane <laughs> person <laughs> from the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean what that's what America's interested in. Right, that, that's what they wanted to see, and that's what the channels wanted uh, people to see as well. They they wanted because she is a, a, a novelty. Sorry to, to use those words, but um, yeah, they don't want to ask her the hard questions because that's not what I guess their audience wanted to hear. Although, uh, if there were to be more interviews after this, uh, I think the American media would pick up on her um, current speech at yeah. the UN and how she is quite decisively presenting herself as an anti-Trump. And I could see, uh, I don't believe she's doing any more um, uh, media interviews in America after this, although I could be wrong. But if she was, I think then the angle would po- quite possibly change. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, she could... Uh, 
she could galvanise support behind her internationally amongst uh, leaders who are very worried about Trump's uh, so-called isolationist policies, and she could become a, a voice uh, for um, a, a more... Uh, <laughs> Globalization with a human face, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, and she did talk about veto this morning, the veto uh, within the Security Council, which I think Trump is cheering after this um, <laughs> is, is, is over, his first time cheering uh, the, the UN Security Council. Um, she talked about climate change. Mm. She talked a lot about um, our Pacific neighbours <laughs> within that. She talked about equality, uh, and she talked about you know the fact that we've had three women prime ministers, but we still have this massive wage gap. So I don't think she she didn't really shy away from the issues. No. Um, I, I think on the globalisation issue, though, that, that's one that will be very attractive to leaders um, in the UN who are very worried about um, Trump's uh, isolationism and protectionism around economic issues. However, it's a very fraught issue for the Labour Party because, as we remember, before Labour was elected, it was quite hard on um, a, a free trade uh, Issues. Mm. It, it said uh, it, it, there seemed to be a switch from Labour, where it's always supported um, free trade agreements up to now, but was suddenly being far more critical. Uh, and 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 also, you know, New Zealand's suddenly made it um, illegal for foreigners to buy large amounts of land in New Zealand. Uh, th there is that protectionist side to the Labour Party, and, and even to this government, of course, with New Zealand First involved as well. So. Yeah, Jacinda needs to be careful on this issue, uh, and, and she needs to be, possibly she'll be seen as a hypocrite, that she's two-faced, that she's giving a certain message to the international reader, I love globalisation, I love uh, the opening up of the economies, etc. of the world, and then giving quite a different message in New Zealand, one more leaning towards protectionism, mm. and, a, and, a, and a, a liberal form of nationalism. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's the thing, a liberal form of nationalism. Is she trying to find a balance perhaps is labor trying to find a balance within protectionism and nationalism are we trying to protect ourselves because obviously we're having a housing crisis we're having a lot of issues at home uh, in terms of that but we're also an export nation so you know is is labor playing both sides yeah i mean the new zealand economy is completely dependent on trade um, on exporting um, dairy products, on exporting meat, and on 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 um, tourism, yeah. which is an export, and you know, and logs, and 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 so on. And so, a tr trade war would be, or a tightening of um, tariffs and uh, trade constraints would be very bad for the New Zealand economy. But I guess you can present a kind of very conservative nationalist uh, um, image like Trump does and appeal to that kind of so-called patriotism or you can do what Labour is, is doing and, and national to a certain extent as well which is present nationalism in a liberal, mm. you know, like a human face thing. In the end, I think it's actually quite quite the same because in both cases you're representing the same interests you just there's a dispute about how to present the interests of of you know business interests whether it's their better they are better presented with a more friendly liberal nationalist face or with a more conservative reactionary um, nationalist face and that's the kind of difference between I guess her and uh, her and uh, yeah, part of the American ruling elite, but oh. it's the same fundamental interests.
Yeah, yeah. One of the things that really interested me was the war on drugs and mm. Trump's call for war on drugs. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the fact that she's gone against the grain here uh, and she's looking at it from, uh, you know, what she said was a New Zealand perspective. Um, she doesn't want to sign up. She doesn't think a war on drugs, the way the Americans want to do it, works. She wants to do mm. it from a health-based approach and seeing it as a prevention thing and 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 not um attacking you know going out and and um attacking those users mm. it's getting help for them um you know and that could be seen that's that's quite strong and that's quite staunch absolutely yeah and i think uh um kudos should be given to jacinda Ardern that she actually stood up with principles on this issue whereas uh trudeau in canada and in may in britain and a whole lot of other regimes have said that they'll sign up to trump's war on drugs even though i think it's uh pretty clear that most uh leaders in the in the first world at least are, are quite cynical about the whole uh get tough on drugs attitude and that hasn't worked but um these leaders are still prepared to go along with trump and 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 boost his, his sort of uh, his um, very conservative attitude on drugs mm. um, so yeah I think this is another case where um, Jacinda is positioning herself as the anti-Trump uh, not just a, a, a well, not so much opposed to Trump as a person, but opposed to what he stands for ideologically. Um, and she's going with the zeitgeist. The zeitgeist at the moment is that tough on drug laws don't work, uh, that throwing people in prison doesn't work, uh, uh, that, um, that, that the answer is to either completely decriminalise uh, um, attitudes towards drugs, laws towards drugs, um, to, to legalise to some degree, such as with marijuana, where either even the production and selling of marijuana has been legalised in many countries. We're conservative on that front compared to the United States. Uh, well, not on a federal basis, mm. though, but mm. on a state-by-state -state yeah. basis in many other nations as well. Um, I mean, I think with the war on drugs, it's been going for four decades yeah. now, and it's patiently failed. All the evidence suggests that it's been a failure. Yeah, and I think in New Zealand, you know, that is largely recognised, and it's not really controversial. Yeah, to say that that kind of punitive war on drugs ha has failed. Although, was, tell that to the proctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, and in the United States, the war on drugs has become this sort of permanent thing, you know, like the war on terror, and it's just a justification for a strong state and for uh, you know attacks on on people's civil liberties and so on yeah um and it's more about what the state needs to get around civil rights and civil liberties that's what it's about it's yeah. got nothing to do with getting you know with getting people off off um hard drugs yeah i mean if if america was really um you know if they were really into the war on drugs and if they were, wanted to do it the proper way to do it they'd be looking at big pharma they yes. would be looking at big oh, pharma yeah. They'll be looking at the creators of oxycodone. They'll be looking at the makers of many different opiate drugs, that, uh, fentanyl, uh, and the like. Uh, that's uh, you know huge issues in the states. I mean, of course, there's issues with um, you know coke and and all that stuff coming over the border as well. Not to, not to mention the the role of the the U.S. Um, foreign policy and military interventions and in, in, you know oh, and stoking and reviving and, and creating of the CIA oh uh, yeah <laughs> of the, you know yeah opium poppies yeah well yeah exactly exactly <laughs> a, 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 and using coke money to fund yeah. the wars in Nicaragua right, right, and, yeah. and the like yeah. in, in the 70s like yeah. I mean um, and 
but New Zealand media's stance on this as well has been, for my mind, outrageous. Uh, for them to come um, and say, oh, well, actually, we should be signing up to it because they're our friends. Uh, you know, we should be signing up to it because, you know, we want to align ourselves with our buddies. And if we don't, you know, we might get in trouble and they might, you know, <laughs> tell us off a bit and, and be annoyed with us. Yeah, but, but we'll stand by and allow... Uh, Trump to lift tariffs on New Zealand steel and aluminium, which is going to cause havoc with TY Point, which is already in enough trouble as it is. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, for my mind, it's that, well, it really pisses me off. And that's why more and more people yeah. have uh, turned away from mainstream politics are uh, either becoming apolitical or becoming politicised in, in a radical way because that mainstream politics just seems so cynical that, that you, um, John Key did it, uh, saying uh, the parallel situation where um, the national government supporting uh, more troops in Iraq said, well, we need to do this because we're part of the club. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't give a moral justification. He didn't even really give, a, from a, a military point of view, a, a practical uh, justification. He just impure, cynical politics. Yeah. I mean, and that's American globalisation right there. So if they're being anti-globalisation, then they shouldn't force our, force our hand by saying that they'll, you know, that they'll slap it if we don't do what they say. Yes, well, I guess that points to the um, the, the self-interest in, 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 in supporting sort of a patriotism and nationalism of, of this American regime, that it's, it's patriotism and nationalism for us, yeah. but yes, uh, for, for the rest of you, we want you to toe the line. Toe the line, yeah, exactly. Hey, we better move on to the prop now, because we're already chewing up time. Uh, of course, uh, well, actually, give us the details. Oh, I've given the details a thousand times this week. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so um, a target prop to David Scott has got himself in the big shit. Uh, it, it was revealed that he, uh, he's been wandering around the student area. <laughs> he's gone into some houses. Working about. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not implying Dave, anything like that. Me, but, uh, <laughs> yes, he's been wandering around ostensibly uh, on the basis of uh, picking up rubbish and, <laughs> <laughs> and doing surveys. Uh, there's been times where he's admitted that he's entered houses without permission, possibly when um, students haven't even been there, uh, seen some bongs and removed those bongs and then had them destroyed. Uh, just to make it clear, bongs in themselves aren't uh, illegal. Um, you can go down to various stores in Dunedin and buy one, apparently. Uh, but, <laughs> but, yes... Uh, the, it's been quite extraordinary uh, uh, how these events have played out, how the university continues to support the Proctor despite his illegal actions. And um, and now OUSA itself has been thrown into crisis over how they deal with this issue and how they voice uh, the, the concerns of students. And they seem to be completely split. They seem to be going from one position to the other. Well, I mean, if we look at what happened yesterday um, and, and the day before, Caitlin, the president of OUSA, came out and um, said, we're not going to support the protest um, because we want certain things to happen. Um, we don't want to call for his resignation, so we wanted the petition to be taken out. Uh, we... Um, there were a couple of other lines as well. Oh, we wanted the code of conduct looked at, uh, mm. and uh, we wanted their powers to be changed off um, uh, off campus powers to be changed. Um, th those running the protests um, basically said no, uh, but OUSA at the same time said, 
We also want um, Josh Smythe, or Josh Smith, sorry, to um, apologise to the proctor, um, and we want him to apologise to the executive because he was speaking on the executive behalf without the ability to do so. He shouldn't have been doing that, so he broke protocol as well. Josh, uh, and they want an apology by a certain time, otherwise they would call a, um, a, a meeting of the executive and a vote of no confidence would be called on mm. Josh Smith. Now, in turn, he threatened OUSA's executive to say that if whoever votes for me uh, to be you know, no confidence, I will call a student general meeting and I will get my breathers to um, vote no confidence on those who voted against me. He has a huge base. Mm. And as we saw in the USA elections, that base came out on f- of mass for him and voted for him to get back in. And I think USA ran scared on this one and said... So they've reversed their position. Oh, they've reversed yeah. their position now. They are backing the protest. Um, <laughs> but he has apologised to the executive for breaking, breaking protocol. Mm. Uh, and he has, uh, they have taken out the call for, for, his resi- for the proctor's resignation, mm. which he did give. Uh, and then was not accepted. Yeah, extraordinary um, events. Absolutely yeah. extraordinary. So they have run scared of the power of the breathers. <laughs> like, this is it. Josh has... I mean, one man... It's this populist politics yeah, at work. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it is... In and a, I say populist in a positive sense. In yes, yes. But, I mean, but it also shows the, the, the lack of interest from the rest of the student body to probably come in behind the rest of the executive and go to the meeting and vote for them. Mm. Um, you know, there will just be so many out there that won't come that he will have the vast majority. Mm. And they would have, and, and the OUSA executive, some members would have had, probably, they probably all would have gone. Mm. So, so they've dropped. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, no wonder we have such relatively ro- low wa- rates of participation in student politics when this is the type of uh, shenanigans we see. It, oh, make, it makes exciting. them wa- <laughs> Yes, oh, I guess it will uh, heighten interest in <laughs> student politics. <coughs> just as Trump has heightened interest in politics in America yeah. um, through his shenanigans. But I, I think it, uh, yeah, does it point to a wider problem that student associations uh, curtail to university administrations a lot more now, uh, that they don't stand clearly as a separate voice for students but see themselves in partnerships with universities and are very hesitant to um, criticise those universities. I mean, w- when we look at the the wider issue of what um, the Proctor did and his illegal actions, it's really symptomatic of of universities interfering in the personal lives of students more and more. And it doesn't seem like um, student associations are standing up in a, in a firm and decisive way against universities um, actually uh, attempting to manage students' personal lives and, 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 and their activities outside of campus. So I think... Um, Hopefully, uh, the fact that Josh Smith has essentially won his cause in this case uh, might might provide a, a good lesson for student associations that the, the way forward in gaining more popular support and getting people running behind you is actually being a strong independent voice for students. Or just going to parties all the time <laughs> and partying with the students and not doing your job properly and <laughs> not having a single meeting with the recreation centre of which he is the recreation officer. So uh, but anyway what, what, what are your thoughts here uh, Phil? Well, this is the second thing in a couple of months because uh, we had the destruction of Critic Mm -hmm. um, just a few months ago and now um, this dude just walking into somebody's house and taking um, property belonging to them. So we've got, you know, what, trespass, theft, 
Um, and you know, these are the people who moralise at students about good be- good behaviour and and all the rest of it. And this is the example that is being being set by you know one of the key figures in uh, in the university. But I I think John's right. Part of the problem is that over the last couple of decades, and I don't know enough about other campuses, to, but I have the impression that it's been a general trend across the country, it's been that university administrations have rolled back the kind of independence that students you know, won in the 1960s, 1970s, um, and kept hold of in the 1980s, and then in the 1990s, it started to be be roll back and I think students need to very jealously guard um, their their rights and uh, you know if students are breaking the law um, well I guess you could say that's up to the law <laughs> that's up to the law it's not actually up to up to university administrations and I think that that students need to say um, student behaviour is the business of of students and it's not actually the business of the university. The Mm. university isn't their mum and dad and the university isn't the law and even if it was their mum and dad, you know, like they are mature, (laughs) they are 18 plus, you know Um, they are, you know age of maturity for which you can do most things in New Zealand and that the university doesn't and shouldn't have an in loco parentis yeah. Role, let alone just walking on the street and and taking things, and and that students should resist any sort of disciplinary bodies that the university has, and actually get rid of this kind of power and and any kind of position or any role for um, this type of you know for the I mean what does the proctor do? This is the sort of kind of you know a key part of their role so yep. maybe they should actually just get rid of of the position of of proctor or certainly get rid of any kind of disciplining role of the university let alone this kind of intrusiveness mm-hmm. well you know the proctor is the campus cop yeah. campus watch mm. is campus yes watch yeah uh, and while it, while why that was brought in was for campus security mm-hmm. uh not for and even campus, campus watch is sort of stretched uh, oh, no, the limits didn't. of it of its power well they can ask students for id and if oh. you don't provide your id then you're against the code of conduct and that can be <laughs> off campus as well um and, and, and that is <laughs> and, that, and that is the issue and that is the issue let the courts decide what go uh and and then then if um, you know in the code of conduct it could be like if you are charged with a crime that we see as the gravest crime and you are found guilty of the crime then we will kick you out of ca- mm. uh, out of university mm. and that's as far as it goes in terms of off campus um, um, uh, uh, powers from the university what ha- let it go through the courts not let us be judge and jury and executioner as well mm. um, leave that up to the court system and the police uh, and, and then let's just us do our role on campus. They shouldn't have the ability to do anything off it. If, mm. if students, if these adults do things at their own homes, that's up to them. If they mm. have their stupid parties and initiation things uh, and things like that, that's up to them. And if it's found that they're doing illegal things, then that's up to the police to decide. Mm.
And the ironic thing is that the, the proctor of the university seems to be taking a more conservative line on drugs, say, uh, than the actual police are. The police are, mm. are, are not worried at all about uh, students smoking up and having bongs, etc. Uh, but the proctor has uh, chosen <laughs> to take a more reactionary line that he's trying to, well, at, at well, least wipe out the image of students well, uh, he had, smoking up. He had, in his mind, he had two, like, two options here, right? Because he is an ex-policeman, he, one option was to call the cops. Mm. You know, this is this is the thing. He, he one was to call the police mm. and tell them that he's found something, like he saw through a window that there was bongs, and call the police and get them to come around. Or the other one was to, te- you know, take the bongs and talk to the students. There was a third option: leave a note. You leave a note. So I've seen bongs through your window. Yeah. We need to talk about this, you know, um, or, or something like that. I mean, he shouldn't have been in the backyard. Well, the, the fourth place, option but. would be to do nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the f- yeah, fourth. And that's yeah. a legitimate he, option as well. well. It is, but he can't. He's seen the bongs. And but how did he come to see the bombs? Well, that's right. He shouldn't have been <laughs> trespassing on the property in the first place. You're yeah. right. But, you know, but I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, I think he's allowed to go. You, anyone's allowed to go in anyone's backyard. And if you're told to fuck off, you're told to fuck off. But I think you can still go on people's yards, can't you? You can you unless you been like for example anyone can go up to a front door and knock on a front door um, um, then it's uh, uh, up to the owner to say uh, um, they possibly can but you trespass but can, you not go, can you not go up to a, a back door. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I guess if the front door is locked or something, if there's a reason to go to the back door, uh, then that might be justified. But it's uh, open to question. Yeah. But if he's in the backyard, I mean, isn't it kind of creepy? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to have to leave it there. We've run out of time. Uh, but, we'll, yeah, the protest is on at 1 o'clock today. Uh, it's assembling on the corner of Dundas and Castle uh, for anyone that wants to go along. Uh, and they will, yes, hopefully we'll see some changes to the code of conduct in terms of what uh, the university's code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that's what the real, that's the real outcome we want from this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, once upon a time, the University of Otago would expel people for, for mixed flatting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that was in the 60s. Like, I hope there's a good turnout, and I hope the students just say, piss off. Yeah, yeah.